We've been talking for, well, actually, this will be number six, six weeks now, understanding the love of God. Understanding the love of God is the most important. I don't know, the way the Lord dealt with me about it was, He said, this is the most important subject that you could ever know. Amen? As a sinner to know that, but also as a believer <laughs> to know that. You have to know how much God loves you, how much God cares for you. Praise God. I don't believe that a soul on this earth would ever have a problem um, serving God if they knew how good He is. When they know how loving He is, how good He is, you will run to Him, not away from Him. You know the age-old excuse that people give, you know, I'm not going down to that church, there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. And You know, I've heard that so many different times, but we're not talking about a person here, we're talking about God. Okay? Almighty God, Jehovah God. Praise the Lord. Over in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul, and we've used this as our main golden text, if you will, talking about this particular series. Verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in your inner man. That's important, isn't it? Because you have an inner man, you have an outward man. The inner man is your spirit. He wants us to be strengthened with might. Verse 17, it says that Christ, now that's not Jesus' last name, like John Smith, okay. Christ is the anointed. His, and then the anointing of God, it says that Christ, the anointed one, may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being, notice this, rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, so we made mention, as I said earlier, that this is a spirit in chapter 3 of Ephesians, also in chapter 1 there's another prayer. And these are, these are spirit-inspired, Holy Ghost-inspired prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. But it's not exclusive just for the saints at Ephesus. This is actually a, a prayer that God anointed him to put in here so that we can pray this for ourselves and we can pray this for other people. And you can literally insert your name in this. For I, I, pray this I pray this every day. Father, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know what I'm saying? And I'll, and I'll go through this. And, uh, but he says that when we, when we pray that we'll be able to comprehend the multidimensional love of Christ, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, your natural knowledge. Okay, so we, we, we talked about how, answered this question, how much does God love us? And we answered this question by saying first number one, and I'm just going to hit this and then we're going to move on to the next uh, thing here today. First of all, how much does God love you? How much does He love me? First, of, first, first and foremost, there isn't anything I wrote down here. There isn't anything that you can do to make God love you more. Okay? God loves you with an intense love because He doesn't just have love. He is love. The Bible says in John, it's first John to God, is love. He doesn't have love. He does have it, but He is love. Okay? You can't separate God from love. All right? Really powerful revelation. Okay? And so, understanding that, there's nothing you can do. I mean, if, if you did a hundred good things today, that's not going to make God love you more. Okay? 
So that should bring your, your mind at least at ease to realize God loves me unconditionally. The scripture says in Romans 5.8 that he loved us while we were yet sinners. He agape'd us. In other words, the God kind of love. He loved us while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah. One encounter with God's love can change your life forever. I can tell you that right now. Number two, we covered this, how much does God love us? And we found that from John 17, 23, and I'll just make mention of this, that God loves you to the same degree that He loves Jesus. Jesus prayed that. He said this, He says, Lord, I and them, and Thou and me, that Thou may be perfect in one, that the world may know that You have sent me and have loved them as You have loved me. Okay? And so understand this, that God's love for you, God's love for you is the same love that He has for His own Son, Jesus Christ. Say, God loves me me. as much as Jesus. Jesus. Okay? Now we know in the natural that people show favoritism and things like that and so forth in the natural realm, in natural families and things like that. And uh, but God doesn't do that. He loves all of His children with the same intensity and with the same love. Now, last week, I, I, I'll just refer to this right now because I want to I want to tap into some other things here this morning. That the Gospel of John, of course, was written by John, were it not? And John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote he wrote First and Second and Third John, and he wrote the Book of Revelation. And it's interesting because in the Gospel of John, we saw that there are four different times that John, by the Spirit, he wrote this, right? He wrote the Gospel of John. And I think it's very rather interesting. We saw this last week that John referred himself always to the one in whom I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay? Let's take a look at one of these, okay? Look at John 13, verse 23. John 13, verse 23. We won't go through all these, but there's four, four times. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. Okay? Let's look at one more. Look at chapter 19, verse 26. Chapter 19, verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw His mother, His disciple standing by whom He loved, He saith unto His mother, Woman, behold thy son. Okay? We'll stop right there. But then you'll see also in John 21, 7 and then John 21, 20, he, he says the same thing, basically the same thing. I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay? And, uh, and we, we brought out the fact that does, did Jesus love John the Apostle more than the other disciples? I don't think so. Okay? But see, John, John knew he was the closest. You know, you had the 12 disciples, Okay? You have 12 disciples, but then out of those 12, you have three that are closer to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. But out of the three, you have one that's the closest one to the heart of Jesus, and that's the, the Apostle John. They call him, people refer to him as the Apostle of Love, okay? And you know, when they tried to kill him, they tried to boil him in oil like a human french fries, okay? Cruel people. And, uh, and it, it, they, he was so full of the life of God, and he was so full of the love of God, he just popped right back up 
And they were, because <laughs> you know, normally when they put somebody down in there, the skin that falls off, everything they come up as bones, you know what I'm saying? And, and they, they couldn't kill him. And so they put him on an island called Patmos, okay? That's where they put criminals and things like that, and they stuck him on there and think, we'll just shut him up, we'll put him on the island out here. And, uh, and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. And John, the apostle John, is the only apostle out of the 12 that did not die a martyr's death. He's the only, he was the longest living apostle that died at a ripe old age, praise the Lord, lived out his life, praise God. And he was the closest one and he understood Jesus' love for him more than anybody else. And it's interesting, he lived longer than anybody else. Isn't that something? Someone says, you know, I thought this too. You know, you think it sometimes, but then maybe other people think that too. I thought, wow, what a... I thought, what an advantage that John the Apostle had to spend time. Wouldn't it be great to spend one day with Jesus in the natural, right? You're thinking, we think, wouldn't that be great if I understood what John understood? And I felt like the Holy Ghost said, he goes, he goes well, you have it in his letters. He left you some letters that you can find out how much God loves you. And we're reading some of those today. Amen? You know, the word, the word of God is just as powerful as a personal visitation from Jesus. The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? So when we understand, we have respect for the Word of God just as much as Jesus appearing in a visitation, like if He appeared right now. That's no more powerful than what we're reading here in the Scriptures. Because the scriptures are spirit-inspired, anointed of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, let's go to, uh, over to 1 Corinthians. And uh, let's, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, Josh, let's look at the Amplified in that translation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 4 often referred to as the wedding scripture. <laughs> love is patient, love is kind, you know. You've heard that at weddings, you know, but let me tell you something. This is not just for a wedding. Now, it would apply to that, but it's, this applies for everyday life. Amen? Now, if you want to know what God looks like, someone says, man, I wish I could get a glimpse of him. I just want to know what he looks like. We're going to look at a painting of God right now. And I want to show you something from a little different angle because we've looked at this as our, how we are supposed to respond to other people. Okay, but I want to show you something in a little different light here today. And what I'm talking about here is confessing daily God's love for you. That's one of the keys to understanding God's love is confessing the Father loves me. Jesus always said the Father loves me and I love the Father. He would confess that. And out loud where people could hear him. He would talk about the Father's love for him. And his love for us. But in, in Corinthians 13. Now you remember. Uh, there's uh, three chapters that are dedicated in the book of Corinthians. To the, the gifts of the Spirit. You have chapter 12. You have chapter 13. And then you have chapter 14. And the three chapters are completely dedicated to the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, you know, um, the power gifts. You know, there's three sets of three, okay? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, right? 
And then there's uh, the, the power gifts, working of miracles, gifts of faith, and uh, gift of faith, working of miracles, and so forth. But then in chapter 13, between chapter 12, it's like a sandwich. You have the, the one side, and on the other side, between chapters 14 and chapter 12, you have chapter 13. That's the meat that's in the middle of this whole thing. Okay? And he's talking about, let's just pick up in verse 4. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way. It is not self-seeking. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no, no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Verse 7, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. Love, notice this, love never fails. Say, love never fails. Never fails. Now, people can fail, but love never fails. Amen? Any relationship, any relationship that's, that's built on the love of God will stand the test of time. Amen. If it's built on the test of time. Natural human love is selfish. What can you do for me? You know what I'm saying? Looking out for number one. But God's not like that. And then it goes on to say, verse 8, Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. And as for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it, it, it will be fulfilled and pass away. Now, now that's talking about after Jesus comes back, all right? As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. That's after Jesus comes back because we won't need them then, right? And so forth and so on, all right? Now, God is what? God is love, right? And so when it says love is patient, love is kind, you could actually substitute the word uh, love and put God in there. Okay? And this is, this is painting a very clear picture. It's kind of like this. You know, if you've never met somebody before and you knew somebody that knew somebody else, but you never met them before, they can make descriptions about, you know, for example, if you were going to pick up somebody at the airport and you never saw them before, you never met them before. And so the person is giving you instructions to say, here's what they look like, here's what they'll be wearing. Here's the you know, color hair that they have and so forth and so on. And they give a clear description so that you know what you're looking for when you go to the airport. You see what I'm saying? And, and John, God is showing us, really, he's having us look in the mirror to say, here's what God looks like. When it says love is patient and kind, God is patient. Love is God, right? And so look, look at it this way. God is patient. Love is patient. God is kind. Amen. Love is kind. God is kind. Remember, God and love, same thing. You can't substitute. I mean, they're one and the same. He's the Father of love. He's God our Father. And so, 
God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. Okay? Now, what's the difference between jealousy and envy? Let me give you a little understanding of this because there's a difference. People think it's the same thing, but all of us here have been tempted to be jealous before, haven't you? Anybody here? What someone has or what they possess or whatever. It could be any number of things, right? And, uh, you know, that's just the flesh, isn't it, when people are jealous of people? Someone gets blessed and thinks, man, I should have what they have, you know what I mean? But um, here's the difference between envy and jealousy. This is really important because jealousy simply says, I want what they have too. Where envy takes it a step further and says, I want to deprive what you have so I can have it. That's even more evil. Okay? The Bible says that the Jews were moved with envy towards the Apostle Paul. They were not just jealous. They were envious of him because they saw God's hand on him. And it says in several places in the book of Acts that they were moved with envy. Even against Jesus, the Lord, our Christ. They were moved with envy. Okay? So, God is not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. This is all love. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no records of wrongs. (laughs) God does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Hallelujah. God never fails. Love never fails. Amen? You see, Jesus introduced, when He came to this earth, He introduced, and I think there's four Greek words for love, actually. Now, in our English language, we, you know, we, we throw love in the basket. And we make it, you know, we love, let's see, we love this kind of food. We love this kind of restaurant. We love our dog. We love our cat. And we love our wife or husband. Well, hopefully the love for our animal is different than our love for our spouse, right? <laughs> a little fluffy, you know what I'm saying? I love little fluffy, you know what I'm saying? Well, there, in our English language, we only have one word, love. And we kind of throw it all in the same basket, right? We love this, we love food, this kind of food and what have you. We love this, this restaurant. And you understand what I mean? But in the Greek language, there's different words for, for love, okay? And... Uh, one of those love is, is called phileo love, where we get the word Philadelphia, and it means brotherly love and affection. And that love, phileo love, is based upon if you do something for me, then I feel obligated to do something for you. You know, if somebody blesses you, then it's an easy reaction to say, okay, I'll be nice to you too. Okay? That's phileo love. And then you have uh, called storge, S-T-O-R-G-A is the Greek word, and it means a family type of love. In other words, you know, you come out of, everybody came from a family, right? So there's a natural human love towards your family members, even if they've messed up and stuff like that, you know? And then there's, uh, um, of course, the sexual kind of love, erotic love that people, that, that's another side, that's just a physical love, right? But then there's the God kind of love, which is agape, A-G-A-P-E, A-G-A-P-E, agape. And when Jesus came to this earth, he had introduced a new kind of love to us 
that the world had never seen before. And that's the kind of love that he loved his followers and his disciples and us today with this kind of love. Now his love is, again, not based on anything that you and I could ever do. You know, God, God loves the worst sinner on this earth that's committed mass murders. He loves them just as much as anybody else. It's hard for us to fathom that sometimes. But He loves them. He died for them. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. Okay? And He loves them with the same intensity and the same love. But as you read this in Corinthians, it, I don't know, it does something to me when I realize that love is patient, love is kind. That's talking about God. Okay? God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious. He does not boast. He's not proud. He's not rude. Amen. Sometimes we say things and we get a... Sometimes it helps to think before we speak. You ever hear that disease called foot and mouth disease? Anybody ever had that before? You're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. You know, it can take five seconds to throw a word out there and hurt someone. It can take 15 years to clean that up. You know what I'm saying? You can throw a hurtful word out there. And it takes, you know, it took a couple of seconds to say it, but boy, it can take a long time sometimes to clean up that thing, you know. But, but you know, we want our words, we want our words to work for us, not against us. And that's one of the reasons I believe that the Bible teaches so strongly about the power of other tongues and speaking in other tongues and praying in other tongues because it's one of the greatest ways to keep yourself in the love of God. Remember Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now all of us here know what it's like to be really irritated at somebody else. Anybody ever been in that situation before, you know? Well, we all have, you know. I have too. You know, we have a flesh, we have a body, and your body has a voice. It has a voice, does it not? Well, your spirit has a voice too, okay? It's kind of like when I was growing up, you had the Popeye cartoon, you know, and he had the devil on one side. Remember that? He would have a little cloud puff, you know, and then he'd have the angel, the, the good side over here, say, don't do that, Popeye. You know what I'm saying? He'd have the devil, but your conscience will bother you, you know what I'm saying? But the, the truth is, the truth is, major wars have been started in people's lives, all of us, because of wrong words, speaking wrong words, hurtful words, cutting words, destructive words that, uh, you know, people say, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can't hurt me. That's not true because words can cut deep into the soul, they can cut deep into your spirit. And sometimes it takes a while to eradicate those thoughts and so forth. But I'll tell you, you'll never catch God saying something to you and He'll regret it later. God doesn't say something, I apologize, I repent. <laughs> you know? But we as human beings, sometimes we get under pressure. Sometimes we get tired, you know, and you know how it goes sometimes. And we say things we shouldn't say. And, you know, although we're not perfect in the flesh, God is. God is. Amen. And so I, I know this from personal experience that, that one of the great benefits, there's many, but one of the great benefits of praying in the Spirit is you're more love conscious. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, it says keeping yourself in the love of God. Keeping yourself in the love of God. People, you know, people can be mad at people they don't even know. Seriously. 
It says ticked off, mad at people they don't even know. Who do they think they are? You know what I'm saying? Some people are mad at the government and so forth, mad at people, you know. Listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, you get those people up there on Capitol Hill and they start railing off this thing and that thing, you know. They're, they're not our problem. There's spirits controlling some of those people. You understand that? You understand that? And so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. They don't see the devils and demons that are messing with their head. Okay? See, the devil has an agenda. For It'll take a little side journey here. He's got an agenda for this country, but it's failing miserably. He's got a plan. He's got an agenda. But you know what? God does too. Amen. Amen. And, it's, and, and, and a lot of the stuff that you're seeing with the swamp being drained, it's, an, it's a true thing. It's an ugly thing. I'm not trying to be political. But I'm saying we're talking about people that are controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's working in the children of this disobedience. And uh, as we pray in the spirit, we can pull down those strongholds and take authority over those things that are trying to mess with our government, mess with our system, mess with our president. Now, whether you believe in him or not, that's not the issue, okay? Um, I would still pray for the president whether I voted for him or not, okay? It's our job as Christians to stand in the gap and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But as we become more love conscious, we're going to say things that are going to build up people and edify people. I, I could, I'm not going to, but I could stand right up here right now and I could just tear into everybody here. <laughs> I'm not going to, but you know, I mean, if I, it's a choice, right? I could say things, in other words, I could say things that are hurtful, okay? And sometimes the pulpit is used for that and it damages people. That's not what it's supposed to be used for. It's not to be used as a sword to cut people. It's supposed to be used as medicine to help heal people. Okay? Hallelujah. How many world leaders have used their words? Look at Adolf Hitler that used his words to to start his little evil campaign. Or Saddam Hussein or any one of these evil people. That they use their words... The devil took their words to, to bring, to rally people around something that was evil, okay? But see, our words are to be used as containers. Words are containers. And we can say things that will build up and help and edify people. Because that's what love, love edifies. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Now, if anybody could nitpick on us, it would be God. How many of you missed it here and there? Oh, my goodness. We all have. You know, we're not perfect in the flesh, right? We're not. If anybody could tear into us, it would be God because he knows every thought, will, imagination. He knows everything about us. Okay? But the fact is, he doesn't do that. He believes. The Bible says love is ever ready to believe. We saw that in Amplified. Love is ever ready to believe the best. In every person. Now the flesh wants to believe the worst in every person. Doesn't it? That's our flesh, right? It wants to believe the worst. But if we build our life around the love of God. If we build our life around this thing. One of the last, in fact it was the last sermon that Brother Kenneth E. Hagin 
1993, the last sermon that he preached at the, at the camp meeting there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The very, you know what his topic was? What have you done with love? You can see it online. You can go on there and type it in. It will, it will come up. And he's 83 years old at that point. Okay? And that was his very last sermon. And Jesus took him home. Went into glory. Didn't die of sickness or disease. Just checked out and went home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just, just, just went to heaven. Praise God. But his, his last sermon, I think that was the title, What Have You Done With Love? Okay? Isn't that interesting? A life, 50 plus years of ministry, yet the, the cap and the seal and the, the grand finale, if you will, was, and he was one of the major prophets, if not the major prophet that was in the land for that day. And the Lord through him said this, he said, what have you done with love? Okay. And it sounds so fundamental, but yet it's so powerful. What have we done with love? Okay. By confessing that we are patient, that we are kind, is not just a religious activity to say, I am patient, I am kind, I, am, I do not envy, I do not boast, I am not proud. It's good to say that, but it's just a reminder. Now let's go to Romans chapter 5. I want to show you something here. I want to show you something here. Did you know that the more you, lo- you walk in love, the more peace you're going to have too? Every, every step outside of love is a step into torment. It's a step into torment. It's no mistake that if in a Galatians, the fifth chapter, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. So when we're operating in love, the byproduct of that right after that is joy. You have joy. Amen? Because your heart's not condemning you. Amen? Love, joy. And that's the third peace. Peace. Then you have peace. Glory to God. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says this, But hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God, notice that, the love of who? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts or spirits, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hallelujah. Now notice there that it says that God's love, when you got born again, is now shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. This John, the Apostle John said this, We know, we, know, we don't think, we know that we've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life because we love the brethren. And that's the first thing that will show up. When you, when you get saved, you come to Jesus, first thing that shows up, you just fall in love with God, you fall in love with people. Amen? Now, when I, when I, right before I was saved, you know, I had some enemies. I was in junior high school. And I had some enemies in my school, some kids that were just nasty. They were pretty much filled with the enemy. <laughs> and they had did things and said things like most kids do, you know, that I, I just couldn't, from the natural, I could not stand them. They didn't even want to be in their presence, you know, because they would just love to torment people and things like that, you know. And, and, uh, and I look back now, I, from the natural, I hated them. I did. I couldn't stand them. But something happened in the middle of that process because we had a, a spring break. And I went to my Methodist youth camp, 1976. 
And I got saved. Came back to school after the holiday there from Memorial Day weekend. And I saw these same kids that I'd norm- prior to, I did not, I couldn't stand them. Okay? But all of a sudden, when I saw them this time, same kids, I didn't feel that hatred towards them. I almost felt sorry for them. I felt compassion towards them. Now, I didn't understand what that was all about until many years later that we know that we've passed from death unto life because we now love the brethren. Amen. Uh, like I let go of grudges. You know, love does not hold grudges. Amen? Hallelujah. Love does not hold grudges. God does not hold grudges. Okay? Now, you all can smile a little bit here. This is actually, this is actually one of the, a good sermon this morning. Okay? We're talking about a good word of God, right? We're talking about God's love. Okay? Listen, if, if you want to make your relationship better, your marriage is better, your relationships better, be more love conscious. I'm not saying that you're not, but we can all come up higher. I can come up higher. That's right. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad. So when you got born again, when you got saved, you became a child of God. Yes, you got your sins forgiven. But God put His love, His love inside of you and me so that we can love other people with that same kind of love. Praise the Lord. And I'm so thankful that that love is on the inside. Amen. See, why, why is prayer so important? It's not just a spiritual duty, but it's actually to get closer to God. Think about it. It's communication. Prayer is communication. You're speaking to God. He's talking back to you. Well, you know, God never talks to me. Well, He is. You're just trying to hear it with these ears sometimes when He's talking already inside your spirit. Amen. There's not, I guarantee you, there's 100%, there's not a person in this building right now, in this room, that you haven't heard God's voice. Now, you may not have recognized it, but He was talking to you. He was talking to you. Okay? And part of, I believe one of the things, I, one of part of my calling is to do is to teach you as a pastor how to distinguish between God's voice. How to distinguish when He is talking to you, when He's communicating to you. Uh, so often people have made things more spectacular and they miss the supernatural. Okay? We, we, we think, you know, Jesus appears to people. He does. But that's not all the time. Now, I've, had, I've never had Jesus Christ appear to me. And I'm okay with that. If He wants to, that's fine. But I'm not pressing the button and say, Lord, you've appeared to someone else. I want you to appear to me. Then, then I, could, I could get myself on dangerous territory. And then a devil can deceive me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, if the Lord wants to do that, that's fine. Okay? If an angel wants to appear, that's, that's fine. That's up to the Lord. That's not something that we can have control over. Okay? 
Hey, if I had control over that, we'd have angels here every week, man. I'm telling you what. <laughs> Popping up here and there. That, that'd grab your attention real quick, right? But the fact of the matter is, there are angels in this room every single week because you're here. You just don't see them because it's the spirit realm. It's the realm of the spirit. Okay? And it's just as real. It's just like air. You can't see it, but it, it's here. Everybody take a deep breath. I don't, I don't believe that air stuff. I can't see it. Well, it's there. You can't see. I've got one of these contraptions right now, a wireless microphone, which I kind of like. I can walk all around the room and it'll pick up my voice, all right? It's an unseen connection. Back to that sound booth back there. There's radio waves going through here. You can't see it, but no one would say it doesn't exist because just because your eyes can't see it. And so it is with the realm of the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, someday you will see it. Okay? But see, that's in another realm. That's in another, it's in the God realm. And, and it's just like I've heard described like this podium, for example. This podium, if you, if you speeded up the molecules in this podium, they're moving. If you put it under a really powerful microscope, think about this, physical. It doesn't look like it's moving. But if you put this under a real powerful microscope, you would see molecules moving in circles, moving real fast. Okay? That's natural. But if those molecules even speeded up a little bit, this pulpit would disappear. It would become spirit. Are you with me? And that's all physical matters the same way. And that's why Jesus, after he was raised from the dead in his resurrected form, he was shown this is the kind of body that you and I are going to have. Okay? A resurrected, glorified body that can walk through walls, eat food, and disappear. <laughs> and never gain a single pound. Unlimited. Unlimited. But see... I'm going to kind of leave you with this this morning because just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real. There are angels that are in this room and every time you leave this place, they're going with you. They're going with you. Because they've been assigned to you. And just because you grow up doesn't mean you lose your angel. In fact, you need them more. All right? And, uh, and I, I, I don't have time, but I have some powerful stories and testimonies about angels and things like that. But oh my goodness, let me tell you something. They're listening to every word you say. And that's how God answers your prayers. He uses those angels to bring about circumstances and bring about situations. And they, they work on your behalf. Are they not, in Hebrews chapter 1, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They have been sent to help you, to prosper you, to take care of you, and even bring healing to you. I recently, I was watching a, a Sid Roth. Anybody ever Sid Roth before? It's got a show called It's Supernatural. It's a powerful show. And he said, I was watching, I don't know, I can't remember the guys. It was a guy, actually, that was... Uh, that had a real had a problem with his heart. He had to have open heart surgery, and they were going to do surgery on him. 
He said this guy had been praying about it. And uh, he was in the hospital ready to get surgery, you know. And he said he woke up suddenly and he saw this, he saw this large man standing on top of him. And he reached down with his hand through his chest. <laughs> okay. He said it looked like a man, but it wasn't. He said, this large man was standing on top of my bed. And he said, he reached down his hand right into my chest. And he did something in his chest. And he disappeared. And he didn't have to have surgery anymore. Okay? So angels are sent to minister. That's, they can touch you physically. They can touch you physically where healing takes place in your physical body. Glory be to God. And they do protect. But they can also provide too. They can provide. Let's just stop and give them thanks for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the unseen angels of God. The angels of God. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. And we thank you for that right now, Father. Thank you for that right now. Bless the Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I'll kind of close with this right now because um, you can actually send your angels on an assignment. Did you know that? Do you remember Jesus made a statement one time? He says, don't you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels from heaven? Remember that going to the cross when they were threatening him? And he told them, he says, don't you know that I can call more than 12 legions of angels? That's thousands of angels down to rescue me from this cross, right? But he, he decided that's not the way we're going to go because God's plan was go to the cross, pay the penalty, and he did. But he could have sent down angels to rescue him. But he chose not to because of you and me, his love. Now, I read that one time and I thought, isn't that interesting? He could have called down 12 legions of angels. And I felt, I felt like the Spirit of God told me, he says, I didn't call them down so you could. Okay? Because ministering spirits have been sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Bless the Lord. All the Bible says, don't forget to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. Amen. Isn't that right, Sister Patty? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. She she had a testimony for the ladies about an angel. Praise the Lord. And sometimes, you know, you think you're you're talking with a human being. It could be an angel. Okay? They're sent forth to minister to those that are heirs of salvation. But you can, you can actually, actually, if you're praying for somebody, how many are praying for somebody in your life, you know? You can actually ask the Lord. Now, Lord, I ask you, and you insert that person's name. You said, I'm asking you to send ministering spirits across the path of so-and-so to minister to them. Amen. Now, it might be a physical thing. It might be a spiritual thing, emotional need, whatever they have. And... and, and It'll, it'll happen. And within, within a split second, you're praying that and all of a sudden the angel dispatch on an assignment. Because they have an assignment. And they're sent forth. 
<clears throat> so what, what kind of assignments are we giving them? I'll leave you with that to the, today. We have to give them assignments in order to see things take place. Okay? So I want to encourage you with that this week because start putting your angels to work. Now, you, you don't have to pray like anybody else. Just pray in your own words and just say, Lord, I realize from today that, that angels have been sent to minister to those that are heirs of salvation. That's me. You're an heir of salvation. And then you can say, Lord, I ask you right now to send angels and ministering spirits across the path. Pastor Lynn and I, we've done this with other family members at times. And I mean to tell you, it works like magic almost sometimes. It's not magic, it's the power of God. Okay? You remember when Peter was in jail? I, I got to thinking about this in the book of Acts. Over there around the 12th chapter, I think it is. And he was in jail and they were going to behead him the next day. Remember that? They were going to take his head off the next day. And he was being watched. He was, there was two soldiers, one on his right, one on his left, that were guarding him in prison. And the Bible says that Peter fell asleep. Now, if you knew that you were going to be executed tomorrow in just a few hours, how many of you would be able to fall asleep? Okay? Most people wouldn't. Peter fell asleep. But the Bible says there was a particular house. It wasn't even a church. It was a house. Listen, God's not looking at a building. He's looking at people's hearts. And you can pray in a house. There was a group of Christians meeting in a house, and they prayed. Okay? This is before they ever had church buildings. Okay? They're meeting in homes and stuff like that. They're praying. And they're praying for Peter's protection. Okay? And the Bible says God sent an angel. Because they were praying. God sent an angel into that prison. And it, he was in such a deep sleep. The Bible says the angel smote him. <laughs> he said, wake up. <laughs> and Peter thought it was a dream. He literally thought, remember that? He thought it was a dream. And the angel said, put your coat on. It's cold outside. He said, follow me. So he thought he was dreaming. He walked out and there was an iron gate there that protected where the prison was and it opened on its own accord. I wonder how that happened. The angel did that, right? And all of a sudden he came to himself and so he went to the house where they were praying for him. Somehow he got word that they were praying for him. He went over and knocked on the door. And so one of the girls answered the door and heard it was Peter's voice. And for joy, instead of opening up the door, she ran in and told the, the prayer partners, you know, that Peter's knocking at the door. And they, shot, they thought she was nuts. They said, oh, well, maybe it's his angel. Kind of making fun of him, right? But it wasn't an angel. It was him. It was Peter. Now, the angel got him to that place. Now, that's called supernatural deliverance. Supernatural deliverance. And it just goes to show you, you can still have some doubt and an unbelief. Because they didn't even believe it. The people praying in there, they're praying, but they weren't really praying in faith. They weren't really expecting to see something happen. And you could just see the mercy of God. Okay? So you don't have to be perfect all the time. You can still have doubts and things like that. But you can still pray and you can see God move. Amen? God will move. Amen? Amen? Now, people are not angels. 
Always remember that. Someone said, you're my angel, you helped me. No, I'm not an angel. I never was, never will be. Okay? When babies go to heaven, they're not angels. That's a demotion, not a promotion. Okay? Angels are separate beings, spiritual beings that have been sent forth to minister for us. Their job, their assignment is to take care of you and and me. Now, the, the biggest way that they respond to you and I, say, well, how do I get them to do things? is by saying what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen. When that angel appeared to Daniel and he was praying for that, he had a dream and he wanted the interpretation of it. When the angel came, Gabriel came to Daniel, he says, I am come for thy words. And here's the interpretation of that dream. Remember that in the book of Daniel? So if the angel came for his words, that's what they come, they're listening to what we say. Or what we saying, is it full of faith or is it full of fear? Now, when we release fear-filled words, they have nothing to work with. But when we say what the Word of God says, they have something to work with. When Jesus, case in point, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came to him and tempted him, what was his response to the devil? It is written, right? Three times, it is written, it is written, quoted three scriptures, he spoke the Word of God, and after the, after the third temptation, the Bible says the angels came and ministered unto him. If you read the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, you'll find that. The angels came and they ministered to Jesus after he spoke what the Word of God said. Okay? So the building material, the tools, if you will, that they have been given to work with are the words of our mouth and the scriptures in our mouth. Okay? Hallelujah. So when you, when you say a scripture, Father, I'm praying right now, Philippians 4, 13, that, that, that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. They have something to work with. Father, when you, I thank you for Philippians 4, 19, where you said that you would supply my every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The angels have something to work with. You've given them the tools. Now, Brother Glenn over here, he's, he's an electrician. And he's got a truck out there. Is it there today? No, it's not there today. Okay. Well, he's got a truck, big white truck. And he's got tools, right? He's got tools in that truck to help him do what electricians do. And without those tools, he's severely limited. Okay? And the tools that the Holy Spirit needs and the angels need are not physical, they're the words of our mouth and the scriptures. Okay? And that's why, that's why as we pray the word and pray the scriptures, then we can be confident that the angels are working. Man, they're, they're back there working. We can't even see them. And then they're working on our behalf. Hallelujah. Well, let's praise them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the heavenly hosts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Do not hesitate. Do not hesitate or draw back from these things, saith the Lord. Though they may be new, though you may not have heard them before, do not draw back from them. For you see, the principles of my word and the principles and the laws of the Spirit work for whosoever will. 
Be bold to speak forth what I've already said, for my word is powerful. My word has all the power that you need. My word has the miraculous already there for you. And as you speak what I've said and pray my word, you will get what you just said. For you see, I've been sent forth. My word has been given to you to give you understanding of how the spirit realm works and how angels have been sent on an assignment to work on your behalf. Grab hold of these things by faith and watch immediate results begin to take place. Take me at my word. Speak my word. Pray my word. And you'll see things happen on a rapid, quick basis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there'll, there'll be those, there will be those that are in this auditorium right now that as the Spirit wills, there'll be situations and there'll be occurrences in your life moving forward where you will literally hear angels. And there will be those that will actually see angels. Think it not strange when this takes place, for I told you in advance when it does happen. For you see, there's much activity right now in the realm of the Spirit. Many things are taking place. Many things are transpiring. And it's about to come on the scene. And it's about to become manifest in the natural. But you'll see it and you'll hear it. For the angelic activity is being speeded up in these last days. And you've been destined and you've been placed here for these last days. I placed you at this time in this place at the end of the age for you to be here for this thing, saith the Lord. And you'll not miss out. You'll not fall behind. You'll walk with me. Hallelujah. And there'll be great cause for rejoicing because you'll see it come to pass. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, when these things do take place, we will be given, first and foremost, the glory to God. The glory to God. And we will testify, as you lead us to, of the goodness of God, of the power of God, of delivering, the delivering power of God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be born any other time. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that we're here, and I believe that you and I are the final generation. I just believe that with all my heart. Prophecies have been fulfilled. Things have taken place, and my goodness, and we're, we're privileged to live in this time, at this time, in this place. Praise the Lord. Well, Lord, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, seal these things in our heart as we leave here today, Father. And we thank you for it. Praise the Lord.